verses 3 through 14. Read it with me. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious race, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. He who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Lord God, Father, we come before you this morning as we're gathered together as your body. Lord, we thank you for your word. We are in awe of your promises. Uh, Lord, we are amazed to hear what you have promised to us, an inheritance, a promise of an inheritance, a sealing and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for this word. Lord, this morning as you bring more of your word to us uh, through Pastor Clint, Lord, I just ask that you would open our ears, open our eyes, Lord, to see your word for what you desire to show us this morning. Lord, soften our hearts. We desire, Lord, to bring you the glory that you deserve for so much that you have promised to us. Lord, you are worthy of that glory, and it is our desire as a church to lift you up and to be a shining light to the world. Lord, please show us your way this morning and teach us what you desire us to learn. Give Pastor Clint um, the, the gift of, of prophecy this morning, Lord, to, to show us and, and to preach your word to us, Lord, in a way that you desire. You've given him a great gift. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, Andy. I encourage you to keep your Bibles open as we will be looking at uh, this passage together, uh, Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. Uh, we've been doing a series now, uh, working th our way through our statement of faith uh, for the Evangelical Free Church. So on statement number one, we, we began the series last Sunday, and uh, so this was our, our second message on the series. And beginning with uh, uh, statement number one, which of course is on God, and uh, the focus we wanted this morning for the message, as well as for um, our worship services, on on God as as Trinity, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so, especially the last song we sang, uh, "All Praise to Him," was in that Trinitarian structure. Uh, sang about the Father, sang about the Son, and then sang about the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, this passage here in Ephesians one kind of has a similar structure: praising God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. So that's why uh, we uh, picked out this passage for us this morning. Uh, you know, there is a, a great old hymn that I learned uh, as a boy. 
uh, singing hymns with uh, my, my mother and my father, um, sitting uh, next to them in my family's pew in my home church in Albert City, and I enjoyed singing this particular hymn as a child because I found it pretty easy to sing. Um, and that's not always the case uh, with the old hymns. Um, and since it's kind of so easy to sing and, and, and I enjoy it, uh, Greta and I taught it to our children uh, when they were young. Uh, most of you probably know the hymn too. Uh, it goes like this. Uh, when upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one, count your blessings, see what God hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God hath done. When you sing that song, what blessings come to your mind? What blessings are you thinking of? What kinds of blessings does your mind kind of automatically bring you to? when you count your blessings. Your family, your home, maybe your health, your job, your career. Now those are all wonderful blessings that the Lord has given us, no doubt about that. But I wonder how many of us, when we sing, count your blessings, would count any of the blessings that Paul brings up in Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. Do any of, of our minds come here when we are told to count your blessings? Now the Apostle Paul, here in this letter uh, to the Christians in the church of Ephesus, uh, written in the first century, he wants this church to count their blessings. So he begins his letter by pointing them toward the God who they have come to know as their Savior, and in so doing, he calls them to praise God for all of these blessings that God had graciously given to them. And this truly is a magnificent passage. You, you may have heard before that uh, Ephesians 3 through 14 <clears throat> in the original language, are actually just one long run-on sentence. Paul just goes on and on like, you know, at the buffet at Valentino's. You know, just when you get done filling your plate with one great entree, you, you keep moving down, and oh, there's another great entree. And then there's another one. And then you turn around, and there's another one over there. You know, Paul just keeps reminding us of one incredible blessing of God, and then that reminds him of another blessing, and then another, and then another, and just like at the Valentino's Buffet, Paul encourages his readers to taste all of the blessings and fill your plates full and enjoy each one. So as we're taking a closer look in these sermons on the statement of faith, 
as a church, I wanted to find a passage that, that reveals and highlights this Trinitarian nature of God, that there is one God existing in a unity of three equally divine persons, and this passage reveals this glorious Trinity and shows us how each divine person of the Trinity works together to redeem God's people and to fulfill God's great plan of salvation. But there is so much here in this passage, it's almost overwhelming for us to think about. And there's definitely far more here than we can cover in the time that we have this morning. So as we work our way through this great buffet of spiritual blessings, forgive me if we uh, you know, don't fill our plates with the blessing that, that you would really like to indulge in this morning. Instead, we're going to have to just you know, take a little, little bit of each one and get a taste of it. But I encourage you to go back uh, to this buffet you know, later on today or this week and, and, and fill, you know, get your fill of, of meditating and chewing on these wonderful blessings on your own later. But our main theme uh, for this uh, passage here, Ephesians 1, 3-14, is that we who have believed in Christ have been blessed with every spiritual blessing by the triune God, all for the praise of his glory. Now look at verse 3. Verse 3 gives us the great introduction to these great blessings and also to the three persons of the Holy Trinity or the triune God. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now you can see right away what this passage is focused on. It's focused on our blessings in Christ. And the God who has graciously provided these blessings for us. He is, again, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the first person of the Trinity, God the Father. But then we are told that the way we are blessed by him is in Christ. That is, in the divine Son of God. And then we are told that that these blessings are spiritual blessings. This seems to be a deliberate reference to the Holy Spirit by Paul. They are spiritual blessings. This could be understood as every blessing of the Holy Spirit. For it is the Holy Spirit who applies the saving, redeeming work of Christ to our hearts. So then in the passage, Paul seems to be focusing on each member of the divine trinity by focusing on the work of God the Father, then God the Son, then God the Holy Spirit, and concluding each section of this passage with that phrase, to the praise of his glory. So our focus this morning then in this passage is on the God of the Bible, who is one God, eternally existing in a loving unity of three equally divine persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who has limitless knowledge and sovereign power and has generously purposed from eternity to redeem a people for himself and to make all things new for his own glory. That's from our statement of faith, number one. But we could also say, to the praise of his glory. So first, verses three through six, we have been chosen for adoption by God the Father. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ 
with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Now this week I tried to count all of the friends that uh, Greta and I have, uh, both back in Iowa and here, uh, whom we know have adopted children into their families. And I, I, I lost count. I couldn't count them all. I kept forgetting. Oh, yeah, they, they did too. Uh, for example, there, there, there's Ross and Kristen, uh, a young couple uh, whom I married in our last church who adopted twin babies into their family right about the same time uh, our daughter Betty was born. And so they have two little ones, a boy and a girl, toddling around and climbing over everything in their house now, just like we do. And there's also our friends John and Carrie, who, who had, to, had to live in Uganda for over a year in order to adopt a child into their family. Uh, they are missionaries, so while the Lord had had them in Uganda, they were able to help to plant a church and equip and disciple church leaders to continue to plant churches there. Yet, they would tell you, the greatest blessing of being there in that year was that at the end of it, they got to bring Charlie home as their son, a member of their family. And there are, there are other stories, of course, including uh, David and Sarah in our congregation, who waited for several years and, until finally they were able to bring home Michael and adopt him as their son. And now he is a comment and a beloved member of their household, chosen by God and David and Sarah to be their own. And here, we are being instructed to praise God for the incredibly great blessing of being chosen by him to be adopted into his household, to, to become a part of the family of God, not just a guest in his house, but a full-fledged son, which means a legal heir who will receive the inheritance that he has promised to all of his children. That's why we are given the description of sons in verse 5. In the first century Roman Empire, sons were the only ones who could legally receive the inheritance. But, but in the kingdom of God, all of God's adopted children, both male and female, are sons. They're sons, that is, those who are able to receive the inheritance that God has promised so pondering this ought to inflame our souls with praise and thanksgiving to God. He chose us. Look at those verses again, verses four and five. Even as he chose us in him, that is in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Now the word predestined there is probably a word you haven't heard much. It, it, it simply means to decide beforehand or to predetermine. God the Father, who is sovereign over all things, knew us prior to creating the world and chose us or determined before the world was even created to adopt us into his family. 
He had you in mind long before the stars and the planets or even the earth came to be. And this shouldn't come as a a surprise for us, for if we have read our Bibles well, all throughout the history of God's people in the Bible, we see this is how God has worked in redeeming a people for himself. Remember, out of all the people of the world, in Genesis chapter 6, God graciously chose Noah and his family to be saved and to carry on his promise. And then, out of all the people in the world after Noah, God chose Abraham, and he made a covenant with him to bless all the families of the earth through Abraham's offspring. And then Abraham's son Isaac and his wife Rebekah were pregnant with with, with twin boys. The the, the younger, uh, and God told them long before they, they were born that he had chosen the younger over the older. The younger brother turned out to be Jacob, who then God blessed over Esau, his older brother, to carry on the promise that he had made to Abraham. Jacob then became the father of 12 sons whose descendants became the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. And in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 through 8, which are the verses that are right before our current memory verse, God said this to Israel. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set set his love on you and chose you, for you are the fewest of all peoples, but it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers. And then we can then find in the Gospels that the Lord Jesus chooses a select group of 12 apostles out of all those who are following him. And in John 15, 16, Jesus told them this. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So now here, Ephesians 1, we are told clearly that we were not the ones who chose to become a part of God's family. That's, that's never the way it works with God or with adoptions. It is always the Father who chooses to adopt his children, and it was God the Father who, out of his incredible mercy and amazing grace, chose to adopt us long before we had done anything good or bad, long before we could have even known about him, much less chosen for ourselves to follow him. It says, in love He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, that is not our will, to the praise of his glorious grace. Now, does this mean that, well, then we don't need to share the gospel with others since God has predestined or predetermined which people are going to belong to him? Well, let's just look down at verse 15, this passage. So skip down to verse 15. And how does Paul describe the way these Ephesians came to be in this, in this position, to came to belong to God? It says, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So obviously this shows us that someone had to bring the gospel message to the Ephesians, 
and someone had to proclaim that message to them, and then they needed to hear the gospel message and believe it. This was written by the Apostle Paul, who was chosen by Jesus to preach the gospel message to the Gentiles, so so those who believed would be saved. So our proclaiming the gospel message is the way that God has chosen to, to bring his adopted children home to himself. Therefore, it's absolutely necessary for us to preach and share God's good news with all people. In fact, we can have confidence in doing that, for we know that those who have been chosen by God will in fact believe that message and be saved. This past summer, our, our friends John and Carrie uh, met us while they were on their way uh, to Colorado. So they came and they met us, and we decided to have lunch, and uh, we decided, well, let's go to Valentino's Buffet uh, in Norfolk. And uh, this was uh, only the second time for us to have been with them since they had adopted Charlie. They'd been overseas in Oman for several years, and so now it's the second time we were able to, to be with Charlie and be, be with them with Charlie. And, and it's pretty clear to Charlie and everyone else that observes their family that he is not like his adopted father and adopted mother. mother. John and Carrie are, are Scandinavians uh, from Minnesota and Iowa, while he is a native of Uganda in Africa. But whenever Charlie hears his father talk to him, he knows, he knows that his father wanted him. He knows that his father loves him. He knows that he is his father's son. John chose him to be his son. If you have believed the gospel and have come to know God as your father, then no matter how you may feel about yourself, you are to know that God wanted you to belong to him. God chose you to be a member of his family. You are chosen. You are loved. Consider what then would be the proper way for you to respond to such love. What then would be the proper way for you to respond to having such love? A father. Secondly, in verses 7 through 12, it says, We are redeemed for unity by God the Son. We are redeemed for unity by God the Son. Now, as I read these verses here, try to make note of all the blessings that are mentioned that are ours because of the saving work of God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, on our behalf. Verse 7 In him we have redemption through his blood, that is, in Christ, through Christ's blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him that is in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. See that redemption through his blood. 
that refers there to, to Christ's work of redeeming us. That is buying us out of slavery, setting us free from sin through his, his death on the cross, which, which then purchased for us the forgiveness of our sins. Since his, his shedding of his blood on the cross was his paying the penalty for them by absorbing the wrath of God against our sins. There was nothing that you did or could have done to earn this. Christ did it all for you. He gave his life for yours. And he did it according to the riches of his grace, that is, God the Father's grace, which he, God the Father, lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Now the word there for lavished speaks of, of favor that is abounding, that's, that's overflowing, far more than we uh, have needed. That is the grace that God poured out upon us through Christ's saving work on the cross was, was abounding. There's no limit to it. And this was a plan that God the Father had with Christ the Son since before the world began. For we remember, he chose us in him, that is, in Christ. That plan included Christ's work in his life, death, and resurrection to redeem us, which is the message of the gospel that we have believed. We were sinners under the condemnation of God for our sins, but God redeemed us in Christ by having his son become a man and live a sinless life, fulfilling God's law for us. And then he laid down his life and died for us on the cross, bearing our sins upon himself. And then he rose again from the, from the dead, justifying us before God as forgiven, as redeemed, as restored to fellowship with God. But that's not all. The plan also includes God uniting all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. This puts the focus entirely on Christ. God the Son is central in God's plan for the world. Now I'm sorry, but, but you are not central. You are not central. We are not the center of the universe, e even though we like to think that we are. We, we like to think that, that the world was made for us and for our enjoyment. We like to think that, that God is, is supposed to make sure that everything you know, goes right for us, that, that, that it is our kingdom that will come. But in fact, God's plan is centered on Christ. But that is definitely not bad news for us if we have believed in him. And if we are following him, then it's wonderful news. Christ is the king of the kingdom of God. And this king will unite all that belongs to God together. In this fallen world, there, there's much that divides us. We are divided by skin color. We are divided by culture, by our opinions, by our preferences. When Christ came, God's people had divided themselves from everyone else in the world, which they called Gentiles. It, it took even the earliest Christians a long time to realize that Gentiles could be saved, that Gentiles could receive the Holy Spirit. But God's plan has never been to only include Jews in his kingdom, but all peoples. As the covenant that he made with Abraham says, in you, that is, in your descendants, 
all families, that is, all nations of the earth shall be blessed, blessed by God. And here Paul is telling us that God is keeping his covenant. He will indeed unite all things in heaven and things on earth in Christ through the redemption that Christ accomplished on the cross. And we can be confident that this will happen because of what Paul says in verse 11. Look at verse 11. In him, in Christ, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him, that's the purpose of God, the Father, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That is why our statement of faith says that God has sovereign power because he's able to work all things according to the counsel of his will. So again, for you this morning, there's one main thing that you ought to consider from this. If Christ is central to God's plan that he has laid uh, out, that he has had since before the foundation of the world, well, is Christ central in your plans? Is Christ central in your life? Have you submitted yourself under Christ's rule? Or are you still living with self on the throne over your life? And finally, in verses 13 and 14, we have been sealed for our inheritance by God the Holy Spirit. Look at 13 and 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, that's believed in Christ, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So here is where we see the role of the Holy Spirit in our salvation. When we hear the word of truth, that is the gospel of our salvation, the message of Christ redeemed, how he, how he has redeemed us through his saving work on the cross, and we believe that word, we are sealed, it says, with the promised Holy Spirit at that moment. The moment of, of faith, we are sealed by the promised Holy Spirit. It was Christ who promised to send the Holy Spirit, and when we come to believe that it is the Holy Spirit, uh, who, who is the one then who applies the work of redemption to our hearts. It is God, the Holy Spirit, who comes to live within us. Christ Jesus is in heaven, seated at the right hand of God, but, but Christ lives in his people through the Holy Spirit. So when that happens, it says we are sealed with that Spirit, that his presence with us is the guarantee or the deposit of our inheritance until we acquire full possession of it. A seal is what gives something its authenticity. You know, like, like the government's seal on all of its currency. All of, all of our dollar bills has the government's seal on it. It distinguishes them as being genuine and certain from what is otherwise fraudulent and inauthentic. So the Holy Spirit's presence within our lives is that seal that reveals we are genuinely God's adopted children, that we genuinely, authentically belong to Christ. And it's a guarantee that we really will receive the promised inheritance of eternal life in the kingdom of God. It's, it's like a first installment on the inheritance that we receive. You know, going back to the, to the buffet analogy, the Holy Spirit 
is like the delicious first course of a sumptuous spiritual feast, which is to come for us in the new creation. You see, we, we can already enjoy fellowship with God through the Holy Spirit now, but we look forward to enjoying fellowship with God fully, with never-ending pleasures and the fullness of joy in the age to come. We can get a taste of it now, and we can look forward to its fulfillment still yet to come. So when you look at others with their lands and gold, what should we do? Think that Christ has promised you his wealth untold. Count your many blessings money cannot buy. Your reward in heaven nor your home on high. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God hath done. You've been chosen for adoption by God the Father to be his heir. His heir of all that he owns, which is everything. You've been redeemed through the sacrifice of God's Son on the cross so that now your sins can be forgiven forever removed from you as far as the east is from the west, never to be brought up before you again. God has generously lavished his grace upon you, his favor upon you, that is completely undeserved by you through Christ. And he has made known to you the mystery of his will. That is, all his people from all families of the earth will be united in Christ to be God's people and to enjoy God's presence forever, and he has sealed you for this incredible future with the Holy Spirit so that you can enjoy fellowship with God even today and have the assurance in your heart that you belong to him, that you really are his child through the confirmation of the Holy Spirit in you. And so our only response, the right response to these blessings is to praise and honor and glorify God with our praise, with our lives, trusting him and serving him all the days of our lives. I'd invite our, our men who are going to help serve the Lord's table to come on up this morning. But as our passage teaches, all of those blessings, all those blessings can only be enjoyed by those who have come to believe in Christ, come to believe the message of the gospel. And so as we partake of the Lord's table, then this is also instruction for us. We're, we're, we're told to examine ourselves, to see if we are in the faith. What are we to examine ourselves for? We are to examine ourselves, do I believe in Christ? Have I heard the gospel message? Have I believed, have I put my faith and my hope in the gospel message that Christ died for me, that my sins have been, have been forever dealt with on the cross, and my hope today and for all time is Christ alone for my salvation. I ask the men to step forward here. We'll first uh, pass out the bread. We invite you to take a piece of the bread and hold on to that until 
we've all uh, been served the bread, and then we'll partake of the bread together. And again, uh, the Lord's table here at our church is, is for those who believe the gospel. You are in Christ by faith. Uh, not necessarily meaning you're a member here or a member of, of any certain church, but that you are one who, who, who believes the gospel of Jesus Christ. If that is you, we invite you to partake of the Lord's table. If that is not you, then we just ask that you let the bread and the cup pass by you. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, this morning we are grateful, so grateful, for the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, it's such a privilege that we have believed that message knowing that, that you have been working throughout history to bring that message to us and to lead us to believe. Oh, we thank you, O oh Lord. Now, Lord, help us as we partake of the Lord's table together to honor Christ and to lift up his name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.